Welcome back to the Success Women's Conference podcast. Success doesn't come wrapped in only one package. We know every woman has their own story and their own journey to take. We're here to share those stories and join in that journey, helping each woman to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to create her own kind of success. But it started with a spark. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you guys are doing well. We are just loving the feedback we're getting from our listeners. So continue to rate us on iTunes and leave us a comment so we can know that you're really enjoying this content. Today, I have a special treat for you because I get to sit down and talk with the Vice President of Communications Affairs at State Fair of Texas. She is a partnership broker and relational leadership junkie, connector, author, speaker, trainer, and the co-founder of Heritage Giving Circle, Dr. Frazwa Booker-Drew. Welcome in. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Yes, thank you. We were just talking earlier about how the weather is really humid here in Mississippi, (laughs) but it's still a wonderful day. Um, (laughs) So tell me a little bit about what it is that you are currently doing and give us a little insight to your platform. So I currently serve as Vice President of Community Affairs of State Fair, Texas, and in my role, I'm responsible for our philanthropy. So I'm responsible for making grants to organizations that are in an area that are really challenged. And I'm excited because in that space, I get to change the narrative around communities of color and change this idea that you know, it's not about brokenness because they're not. It's about systems that are broken. People are not broken, in my opinion. It's the systems that have created that. And so to be in a space where I can help um, direct funds to that, we do programming around capacity building for nonprofits, economic development, and education. So I love what I get to do every day. But you mentioned some of the other things that I am blessed to do, which is write. And I'm an author of two books, working on a third. And I'm a part of a giving circle, Heritage. Heritage is a group of Black women came together, and I was blessed to be asked to be co-founder. And we raised money to give to organizations that are led by Black women, are serving Black women and children. So I get to do some fun stuff every day. That's incredible. I love that. I like the idea that people aren't broken we need to fix the systems. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Where, where did you get that insight from in your um, work? Well, you know, because I get a chance to work with so many nonprofits and, you know, government organizations and different types of groups and people, you recognize that no one wakes up and goes, I love being poor. This hunger thing is great. No one does that. And so people just don't have access. And I found that when you listen to people, they know what they need. They're they're not looking for a savior. I tell folks, they go to church for that or the mosque or wherever. They don't need a a savior. What they need is access and availability to opportunities. And so how do we create these spaces to one, listen to people, find out what they need, but two, provide the resources. And for me, providing resources is through relationships. That's my whole thing that I really get excited about is how do you help people connect to relationships? Because what's going to change things in our world is not another program. Programs help, but it's because the people who run those programs are the things that really create the transformational change we want to see. Yes. So talk to me about 
what that looks like. So there are so many people, and, and I and I come from a very small town, so I see this all the time. Um, we say it's like poverty mindset and things of that nature. Um, what are the steps, I guess, that a person would need to take to start shifting the narrative and kind of owning their story to get out of those situations? You know, I think it's one um, which is really knowing who you are and mm-hmm. whose you are. I think that's so important. I think people um, get so distracted by the noise. And it's how do you take the opportunity to pull back and listen? I know when I started working at the fair, I knew South Dallas, which is the neighborhood that we do a lot of the work in. But I couldn't take that for granted and go, oh, I know what's going on. I had to spend six months just listening to people, letting folks beat me up and tell me, you know, why are they doing this? Why haven't they done these things? And, you know, in a personal way, it's how do you sit back and listen to the things that are going on around you? And so if everybody is horrible around you, the common denominator at some point is you. So you have to step back and begin to start analyzing your own story and looking at the good, the bad, and even the ugly. And for many of us, we don't want to deal with the ugliness of of our stories, but that is the thing that propels us is knowing how that negativity, how do we change that and turn it into fuel and allow it to be a foundation to propel us into our success. But without being really clear on that, we can sometimes get caught up in the distractions and lose our path and lose the way to the destiny that we were created for. There's a book by this lady named Amanda Sinclair, and she talks about the leaders of Enron never analyze their childhood stories. They had such horrible childhoods that instead of paying attention to what happened, they recreated a narrative that hurt other people because Mm -hmm. they were hurting. And so often that's what happens is you see hurt people hurting other people because they have not taken the time to listen to their own narrative and pay attention to the stories and pay attention to the impact of what it's done. I can only imagine. I I, I completely hear what you're saying. And I remember the first time I had to really try to be real with myself because I think sometimes we do tell ourselves these stories and we, we keep it a certain way or maybe we were younger. So we saw it that way. But now in our adulthood, we we have more perspective. How does one start to really, I guess, just be aware of what they're saying and what they're telling themselves and what that story is? So there's a process that um, I, I love. It's called immunity to change. And a lot of my research is based on that. And immunity to change written by these two folks out of Harvard. So I'm going to take it down to the, the street level. What they basically say is, is that we have these mindsets And some of us have this mindset of, you know, whatever you tell me, I'm going to interpret it the way that it works for me. Mm -hmm. Well, when you do that, you're missing out on perspective. And they talk about, you know, this mindset that's called self-transforming, which is the ability to not only understand your story, but to step outside of yourself and be able to, to listen to what other variables have, you know, a a role and play impact in that. And so it's important for us to be able to step outside. But I think the other piece is those tapes you mentioned, you know, when you were a kid, a lot of stuff was designed to protect you. Mm. So you have these tapes in your head that say, Ooh, those certain kinds of people, but stay away from them. Don't go to that kind of place because some things may have happened and you were told some things, but as you get older, those tapes don't work for you anymore and they're becoming a roadblock. And so what the immunity to change process does is it serves as an x-ray. 
It allows you to sit back and go, so why am I having these tapes that keep playing that are hurting me? I'll give you an example. I remember I wanted to lose weight, which is, you know, one of those constant things that now I'm just like, just eat right next size and just hush. But at the time, <laughs> I wanted to, to lose weight and I kept coming up with, I just don't know why it's not happening. And um, I remember my dad was passing away and I was dieting. Wow, he's dying of cancer. Dumb decision. And I, you know, after that happened, I remember I was doing a half marathon and I got sick. And so this tape developed in my head that every time you try to lose weight, something horrible is going to happen to you. And until I recognized that, that that tape was playing, I was continuing to do this method of madness of trying and stopping and then blaming myself. Mm. I think it's just so important to sometimes pay attention to there are things that happen that trigger us. How do you pay attention to those triggers so that you can then change the narrative? But until you recognize that stuff, you'll keep doing this, you know, um, will of foolishness um, <laughs> that doesn't help you. And in the past, it might have. That was designed to protect me. Yeah. Is it wasn't working. I, I'm, I'm laughing at the wheel of foolishness that I think is too, too um, relatable in all of our lives because life has this way of like bringing up these same lessons that we're going through over and over again. <laughs> and you can't see it right now, but she's throwing two hands up in the sky saying, me too, stand yes. up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That relates to our relationships. It's in every aspect of our lives that, that that stuff keeps showing up. But that's the beauty of life mm-hmm. is you get a chance and another chance and another chance. So it it isn't, you know, the end if you don't get it right the first time. I think that's the beautiful thing of waking up every day that we get a second chance or for, in my case, a tenth chance to try to get this stuff right. <laughs> Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about your book, um, The Rules of Engagement, and kind of what you bring out in that. So Rules of Engagement was written, I was working on my dissertation, and I brought all these women together who were friends of mine. It was so wild because I thought I knew stuff about them. And in these spaces, they began to start sharing very personal information that stunned me. And it taught me one thing that when women have these safe spaces, we want to be able to release, but we so often don't have these places for us to be safe and to share. And so from that, I started learning stories and lessons from these women. And so I put together a book of these 20 plus rules that are really designed to help women think about what is their narrative, but how are they using that to connect to other people? And so my focus is, you know, also on this concept called social capital, which I love. I, I won't change the name, but it really is this ideal about relationships, networks, associations. Mm-hmm. I don't like the capital piece because I don't think relationships should always be about transaction. Yeah. Because relationships can be transformative too. And so helping women think about how they're building their networks The story that you tell about yourself can directly impact the kinds of people you bring into your life and really impact the way that you are able to move up the ladder or to be able to bring the kind of prosperity and happiness into your life. And so I mentioned earlier, you know, I used to have this belief that, oh, I couldn't trust women. Everybody's out to get you. And I did not realize in believing that foolishness, I attracted more of that into my life. Mm. Once I changed my mindset and changed my story, and really began to believe that there were great women, but I had to believe that about myself first. 
So once that changed my network and the kind of women I have in my life, I am so blessed because they're rock stars. I often look at them and go, we're hanging together. I get to be blessed by you. It, it is amazing what can happen when we change the way we see ourselves, but also understand the power of our stories. And so the book is really designed to, it's a workbook to help women think because I believe in the power of reflection. Yes. Folks have to think about stuff and, and, and sit back and let it resonate and marinate. And once you do that, things can happen and change your life because it did for me. And that's the premise of the book. I love that. Um, it's like how we see the world, right? I, one thing you brought up, there are so many negative connotations about this thing of women working together. We're catty, right? Or, And, and I remember hearing that one time, much of like what you're saying. And I looked around, I was like, well, I'm. I kind of think the women I'm around, like, we're kind of, we're kind of awesome. And and so it's an interesting yeah. thing, but I can see that, like you're saying in these relationships, I think everybody listening is kind of going, yeah, I think I've had that same type of person kind of come back in. And I think I escape that relationship and get it right. And then it comes back in. So I'm, what I'm hearing you say is there's something that has to shift in the way that we're telling ourselves about that story and how we're seeing the world in order to actually... Right see that change. Well, and it's also being aware that sometimes our role in life is to be teacher or to be student. Mm. And so sometimes when those folks that come in are the negative people, there's something for us to learn from that. And, you know, I always think about there's this Hawaiian psychologist who blows me away that this man went into this criminally insane psychiatric hospital and in three years, all his patients were healed. He never met with any of them. They say what this guy did, it's the Hawaiian principle. I can't say the word because I was slaughtered with this Louisiana draw. But what he basically practiced was he asked for forgiveness because he saw what was in them was also in him. And so sometimes I think we can attract either what we could be or what we are. Yeah. And those are lessons for us to think about that we have some when those kinds of people come in when I have some of the toxic people it's an opportunity for me to sit back and start wondering so is is this a lesson for me and what not to be or become or is there something in me that is attracting and bringing that into my space and what do I need to do to fix that or is it an opportunity for that person to learn from me but I think everything that we encounter in life there is some kind of lesson to either bless us or, or be a blessing to somebody else I love that so for the people who are listening right now and they're like I, I want that I want my <laughs> I want my world to shift I want my perspective to shift I want my relationships to be richer and deeper and to make that transition how does one start being aware are there practical steps or exercises that you found that really help get you in that mindset? It is creating space for reflection. So making sure that you have opportunities to journal. Um, I think it's important at the end of your day to sit back and process your day. Why some of us have the craziest dreams and I'm one of them that happens to is all that stuff gets bogged up and you're like, why did I dream that Idris Elba was riding a horse through <laughs> my house? You, know, you like the interest piece, but the rest of you are going, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. What's going on? Because we haven't really had a chance to process that. We had a crazy day and now it's manifesting in some other stuff that might be still counsel about. Who knows? <laughs> but the reality is, is how do you begin to start using reflection? The other thing is gratitude. 
I think it's very important to be grateful. You know, without being preachy, I'm a firm believer that you can't be blessed with a whole lot. Some people are another conversation, but you can't maintain that if if you don't know how to manage what you have and be grateful for what you have. How do you deal with having the onslaught of all these blessings and opportunities? So it starts off with you being grateful for what you have in every day, finding something positive. And, and what happens. It's those little things that will begin to change the way that you see the world. One of the things I encourage women to do is silence retreats. I go on them and, and usually I try to do it once a year. I haven't done it this year, but I go on silence retreats where I go to a monastery or a convent and I spend time in complete silence, turn off that cell phone, um, get away from that laptop and spend some time in quiet, whether it's praying or meditating or whatever it is that gets you to be calm because for many of us, we can't hear the answer of what we want in our lives is there. But we're so busy with all this technology and information that we can't be still to listen to God and listen to our higher power to know what we need to do. Yeah. So creating a space for the quiet is going to be important for you to then set goals of what's important, what kind of relationships you want, who are the people you want in your life. When you do that and begin to set the 30, 60, 90 day goals of what does that look like for you? You can then be on the path of getting what you want in your relationships, whether it's personal or professional. So what is, what does a person do if in this reflection time or they have access questions, is this a lesson? Is this person just toxic? What am I supposed, what if you do find out that maybe there's some shedding that needs to happen when you realize that maybe who you're around is not reflective of who you want to be, how does how, how do you deal with that? It's a process. I think one, you have to give yourself permission and forgive yourself because I think a lot of us blame ourselves. Well, why did this person come in? Maybe I did something. Maybe I'm too nice. And you start taking the blame for stuff that happens. And, and that's not the point is to, to, to look at who's wrong and who's right. I think it really is being able to just own what has happened and then understand that people sometimes come into your life for a season or there's a reason. And even though that's cliche ish, it's so very true. And so I think it's beginning to, you know, understand why that person is there. There are some relationships that it may not necessarily be toxic. It's just that you may have grown and that you're in two different spaces. So I think it's also analyzing the type of relationship it is. There are some people that are emotional vampires where you walk away and you want an adult beverage because every time you leave them, you are so drained. You're like, oh, I just got to go sit down somewhere. These people take it. When you have those experiences, you got to analyze. So why are you allowing that energy to be drained? And and what is it that they're taking from you? So it's really looking at what those relationships add to your life. And if they're not adding anything, then it's important for you to start looking at people and decreasing the level of interaction that you have from them. Some people, it just means that you can't spend all your time with them. You're hanging out with them. You got to do them in doses. There's some relationships when it harms who you are and your sanity and well-being and peace and and you are being violated. If that happens, then those are relationships that you have to look at and go, this doesn't add to me. Mm. And I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves with everything that we do. Does this add to who I am? And if it is not building you, enhancing who you are, then that's a relationship that you need to begin to start figuring out how to distance yourself from. I love that. One thing you said that I want to come back to that I just appreciate um, as I was asking you this question was, it's not about who's right and wrong. 
It's not about the judgment of that. It, I, I really love that approach. It kind of takes us out of the the headspace of judge and jury, right? Like we got to convict someone and we get and, and it was them and they did it and they hurt me and bad person. It doesn't work for me. I think that's the thing that people have to begin to analyze what works for you. And if it's not working for you and it's not adding value to who you are as a person, then it's something you need to examine. And and, and I think you're absolutely right. It's taking off this thing of judgment with, with social media and just the society that we're in now. It's so much about right and wrong. And I don't think we're comfortable with being in this space of both and. I talked to my daughter about this. I think we're so quick to do this either or. If it's not this, then it has to be this. And in some spaces in our lives, there is this both and that exists, that good and bad exists at the same time. How do you wrestle through that and deal with it and know that it is? And sometimes it is being still and just knowing it is. And what do you do with with both of these realities? Because for most of us, we're living these multiple realities and in these different spaces that we have to really begin to wrap our minds around. And I think we always want to fix stuff. And sometimes some things just cannot be fixed. It's not for you to fix it. Mm -hmm. It's to make a decision about what's in your best interest and settling you and taking care of you, not fixing them, but making sure that you're good. I think you just gut punched me with that one, but I'm going to take it. Oh, I know, there, I, know, I know there's so many fixers out there. I'm going to fix him. I'm going to fix her. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I struggle with it because it's wiring. I mean, and yeah. I think for many women, it, it's it's something that we do because of the nurturer in us. And it's learning that there, you know, as we talked about earlier, that there's some things that, you know, they, they don't come bro- necessarily broken. The people aren't. The situation may be. Hmm. And so, and, and people are, are experiencing all this trauma and this stuff that they deal with. You just, you, you can't fix that. They have to make a conscious decision to want to fix that stuff. What you have to say is, is, is this worth my investment at the end of the day? And I think, and I tell my daughter this all the time, I think as women, especially we spend so much time talking about, you know, what we want that we don't talk about our non-negotiables and what we don't want. Mm. And that would weed out a whole lot of other stuff if we set up and came up with the list of, I'm not tolerating this because what happens is, especially in relationships, we tolerate a whole lot of stuff because people have all this good stuff, the list of good, we love it. And so when the bad comes in, because you don't have that list and you haven't called it out, you'll tolerate this foolishness because all that good stuff is on that list. Yeah. And so, yeah, he's wonderful and he's loving. But on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, you know, he he, he likes to cut the heat up to 150 degrees. I don't know why he's trying to burn me out the house, <laughs> but I'll deal with it because he's such a good person, yeah. you know, and and, I, and even in our friendships that we will do that. So I, I urge that women begin to start creating this list of non-negotiables and creating those boundaries so that when those toxic people do come into your life, you can go, this doesn't work for me. I used to think that boundaries was this thing that kept people out that was a negative. And I've been reading more and more about how boundaries, the people who have boundaries, those are the ones who actually are the most compassionate and have that really key component of self-love. A lot of us are like, we're loving ourselves, but that thing is very powerful. And it's tough because a lot of us are people pleasers and we just want to play in the gray space and don't, oh, well, we can deal with that. And we'll deal with that. Oh, my goodness. And it's like I was telling a group earlier that this lady years ago told me and it was so powerful. She said, you are in captivity to activity. 
So many of us are just doing this stuff and it's not getting us where we really want to go. And when we analyze our stories and go back to where did that come from? And if you choose to stay in that space, there's nothing wrong with that. Just own it. If you want to do everything, you got to make sure that that's exactly what you want to do. But sometimes we're just on, as I mentioned, that wheel of foolishness and we're doing all this stuff and it's not taking us where we want to go because we haven't stepped back and looked at our story and really analyzed who we are and where we want to go. Now, what I love is that you feel that relationships are key to organizational growth. So, So talk to me a little bit about that, especially for those that are managing and, you know, having to be leaders in their organization. You read in the title, I'm a relational leadership junkie. I love the idea of how relationships can be used to create change in organizations and even impact your bottom line. Things get done in organizations, not necessarily because of processes. It's because of the people. And I think we forget that. And so, you know, what I always do with my staff is I create the space for um, them to come in, share, talk to me. It's not a counseling session. And I, I try to tell people understand that it's recognizing that people bring their authentic selves to work. And so if I had an argument the night before, I'm going to bring all of that to work, that anger and all of that. And so you have to understand that people are not just providing a function. They're providing and bringing the totality of who they are into those spaces. So as a leader, wouldn't it make sense to get to know how your people, you know, deal with stress and anger and, and, uh, you know, what motivates them and, and, and what do they need to be successful versus just function on, I need you to get this task done. It helps you to understand who they are so that you can motivate them and and figure out how does a company achieve its goals and this person at the same time as achieving their personal goals. So I spent a lot of time even talking to my staff about what is it that you want to do? Because ultimately you're going to want to leave this place. I want you to. And, and so, because I want you to grow. And if you stay here, that's great. I want you to grow in here. So help me understand what it takes. That's building relationship. And so it's creating spaces for the reflection. It's creating the spaces for feedback loops so that you can course correct and they can learn and grow. I used to have um, readings with my staff when I was at World Vision. I would have uh, reading sessions where I'd give them, you know, not a whole lot, but different articles or a chapter out of a book. And we would even read books for us to talk about. So how does that impact our work as an organization? But how does that impact us as a team and in your personal life? Because if I can make you happy here, you know, and 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 you're enjoying what you do, you're going to perform beyond belief. What most folks don't realize is people are coming to work and they're doing bare minimum because you're giving them bare minimum. You're not invested in who they are. And so relationships are critical to the success of an organization. If you want to have growth, you will focus on your people. That's really, really powerful. And so I'm really excited to hear you at the conference because this is just gold. I do agree with you on the the whole notion that, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're the output is wanting, you're increasing the output, but you're not getting any more resources or any more time. And that could be really tough on a, on an organization over time. Um, so I, I, I love that, that whole notion about the relationship part of it. But tell me, what are you looking forward to at Success? And if you want to share a little bit about what you'll be talking about, I'd love to hear that too. I'm looking forward to being in a room with such amazing women and the energy that's going to be in that space. I'm expecting to be fed. 
just as I am going to give information and share and hopefully help other people, I'm looking forward to being fed as well. And so to be in a place with a feast of learning and experiences and brilliance in one place is exciting to me. So I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the beach and, and, and seeing some water. <laughs> looking forward to some cooler temperatures than in Texas right now. That's exciting to me as well. I'm going to be talking about, you know, what we've been talking about today is rules of engagement. I'm going to talk about how your story can be used to change your life. And looking at the power of your narrative to do that. And so I'm going to tell my story and talk about relationships and how they have been so important to who I am today and helping women think about the relationships that they're building. I don't deal necessarily in your personal relationships, the love relationships, but I do like women to think about their networks you know, on a professional level and with their friendships, because that is really important. And it's so much of where we spend our time. Yeah. So we should really think about how we heal those places so that we can be better and freed up in the other spaces of our life. Now, as a leader, um, do you see the value in going to conferences like this? I know some of the organizations are actually sending their employees here or coming all together as a group. Oh, definitely. Learning is so important. When you stop learning, you just might as well go on and, and try to get on the other side of the dirt. I mean, it, it is so important that no matter how much education you have, you can always gain something. And more importantly to me, it, it's, it's the relationship piece because that's what I love. But it's how do you find mentors? This is going to be an opportunity for people to get mentors it's going to be an opportunity for people to have folks that make them accountable in their lives. This is a place where you can get friendships and add to your network and have these positive people. If you got all this toxic stuff around you, it's important for you to have the, the safety net and the support to, to thrive and get through some of those jobs that we have that sometimes may not be what we want, but right now it serves a purpose. Yeah. How do you surround yourself with the network and the people that can pour into you? That's what I believe conferences like this do. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing you there because I'm going to be there live and hopefully we can chat some more um, for the audience. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking really. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. All right. So let everyone know how they can get in contact with you and how they can stay connected. And if you have any projects that are coming up. So people can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's, it's my name, Francois Booker Drew. And I'm on Twitter, not really good, but LinkedIn and, and Facebook are probably the best places to reach out to me. And uh, I'm at Frostwalk on Twitter. Um, and then I'm working on my third book, which is really, uh, it's finished, but doing some final pieces. But it's a letter to my daughter, a series of lessons that I wanted to make sure I taught her before she went to college. And it, it really is for women that, to think about how do they deal with transition and change in their lives. And so um, I wanted to give that to her to just make sure that she knew some stuff last minute. I was like, oh God, did I tell her everything she needed? Um, that's what this is about. And when people started reading it and hearing about it, they thought that's bigger than just her. It yeah. really is something women could learn from your experiences and what you're sharing to help them as they deal with these new experiences in their lives. 
So guys, now it's your turn. You have heard Dr. Frazwa um, Booker Drew discuss the key of relationships, not only in just your personal life, but in organizations. So I would like for you to take a moment to really just take some reflection time as she was talking about and really sit back and observe who, who are the people in your network? Who, who are you surrounding yourself with? What is that like for you? What are the relationships like? Um, really just jot it down, get it out of your head and onto paper. I'm just a big proponent of that. Um, and really just think about what it is that you're getting from each relationship, as she said. Is it something that is to give you a lesson? Is it a student relationship? Or is, are you the teacher in this relationship? Whatever it is, let's look at it in a different way and feel free to share that with us on social media, as well as you can rate us on iTunes and leave us a comment. Um, let us know how you're enjoying the amazing um, guests that are coming on the podcast. We'll see you next time on the Success Women's Conference podcast. <laughs>